Tonight, an expanding diplomatic showdown over a suspected spy balloon from China drifting over the U.S. Beijing slammed for a high-flying breach. A clear violation of international law and clearly unacceptable. And new questions about its flight path through Canada. Ottawa admits it missed the mark on proposed changes to gun laws. The consultations that we undertook were not sufficient. A temporary but humiliating climb down today. The divide over which firearms belong on the banned list. Plus, dealing with the deep freeze. I feel like no human should be outside at this temperature. A bitter cold snap gripping parts of Canada. Oh, goddess. Unbelievable. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Heather Butts. Good evening. The fallout from China's high-altitude spy balloon reached the highest levels in Washington and Ottawa today. The U.S. called off a top-level trip to Beijing, while Canada called for explanations from the Chinese ambassador. We're also learning around the world there are four balloons like this one, first spotted over Montana. CTV's Kevin Gallagher starts us off. As this massive Chinese balloon continues east across America, political tensions are rising even higher. The U.S. Secretary of State has called off his planned trip to Beijing next week. I made clear that the presence of this surveillance balloon in U.S. airspace is a clear violation of U.S. sovereignty and international law. China's foreign ministry is saying the balloon is a civilian research airship and crossed into North American airspace by accident. The U.S. Defense Department says it's not just floating, but can actually be maneuvered. Senior Canadian government sources say the balloon has high-resolution cameras, but no weapons. CTV News has also learned NORAD informed top Canadian officials about the balloon over the weekend before it passed through the Arctic, Alberta and Saskatchewan, though they remained tight-lipped until today. Canada's intelligence agencies are working with American partners and we continue to take all necessary measures to safeguard Canada from foreign intelligence threats. We take this very seriously. Reports of the balloon only surfaced yesterday as it passed over Montana, home to several sensitive nuclear sites. If it was of military value, they would have shot it down. The balloon is estimated to be the size of three buses. According to the Pentagon, it's at an altitude nearly twice as high as commercial airlines fly. If shot down now, officials fear it could endanger populated areas below. It's not pose a physical threat, as I mentioned, uh, to people on the ground. An advisory to Canadian pilots to watch for an untethered balloon remains in place. Sources say it may have been something to do with a smaller object that could have come off the larger balloon. This has, I think, set us back a bit in terms of trying to find a, a, a more normal relations with China. Canadian officials have already met with China's ambassador in Ottawa, demanding an explanation, Heather. Kevin, what else is the government saying about the sightings? Well, senior government and defense sources tell CTV News U.S. intelligence officials know of at least four similar balloons that have left China recently. That includes the one the Pentagon confirmed late tonight is floating over Latin America, Heather. 
Thanks, Kevin. The Trudeau government made a major reversal on its gun bill today, scrapping an amendment that would have banned a lot more rifles and shotguns. The move comes after intense pressure from hunters and other gun owners who argued they would be caught up in the controversial legislation. Here's CTV's Vanessa Lee. I believe that we have unanimous consent. At a committee meeting this morning, the Liberals quietly backed down on an amendment that sparked outcry from the moment it was introduced, admitting there were gaps in policy and consultation. It is not our intention um, to uh, impact uh, those that are uh, hunting and using uh, firearms for hunting. And we acknowledge and regret that uh, the consultations that we undertook uh, were not sufficient. The amendment would have banned assault-style firearms, but hunters and farmers argued it would also criminalize rifles and shotguns they use legally. High-profile criticism even came from Montreal Canadiens goalie Carey Price. This Calgary gun shop says business has already been impacted. Every day you do hear from customers like, I would buy that if I wasn't afraid it would become prohibited. Because, I mean, nobody has $3,000 to just waste on something that will make them a criminal in two months. Gun advocates are calling it a small victory in a bigger battle. They want Bill C-21, which freezes the sale of handguns, to be scrapped altogether. Bill C-21, as I said, still contains uh, a, a, lot of, um, a lot of things that don't have a demonstrable relationship to public safety. Survivors of the École Polytechnique massacre are shocked by the government's backtrack. They say a lack of clarity about which guns would be affected led to disinformation. We still don't have a strong definition of what it is in order to have a real comprehensive ban on assault-style weapons. The official opposition is taking credit for stopping the contentious changes. Today's humiliating climb down that we have forced Trudeau to make is a temporary pause in his, his plan to ban hunting rifles. The Liberal government says it still intends to pursue a ban on assault-style weapons that have been used in mass shootings, this time with proper debate and discussion. Heather. Vanessa Lee in Montreal. That city, like much of Canada, has descended into a deep freeze as a polar vortex sends strong, chilly Arctic air down south. Atlantic Bureau Chief Creason Ashkate on how people are bundling up in the bitter winter blast. For those brave enough to venture outside Toronto's frigid streets, many came prepared. Lots of layers, uh, definitely a neck warmer. And make sure I have a proper hat and scarf on while others were caught off guard. Oh, God, it's unbelievable. For much of the day, extreme cold warnings were issued for eastern Canada as a blast of Arctic air made its way southeast and into the U.S. We saw temperatures that were at the melting point, and they fell down to about minus 27 in 12 hours with minus 40 wind chill. Hypothermia and frostbite can set in in a matter of minutes. I feel like no human should be outside at this temperature, to be honest. And it was so cold, this festival in Quebec City that celebrates winter was cancelled today. Community organizations across the country have been opening emergency shelters and warm-up centers to keep the homeless inside. We opened at 7pm and by 9 it was at capacity and it's been at capacity ever since. In Halifax, people are bracing for freezing temperatures the Maritimes haven't seen in eight years. This outreach worker says lives could be at risk. We fear that there's not enough indoor space. We fear that 
there's not enough localized space. Um, so we will still still see people sleeping outside in their tents no matter what. Yeah, no, this is where I live. For almost two years, Alan DeYoung has called this place home. He says he's prepared but worries for those who are newly homeless. If you get an offer to go somewhere warm tonight and tomorrow night, take it. You don't got to live in a tent. This cold weather is expected to stay in eastern Canada until Saturday. And here in Halifax, the good news, Heather, is that we're back to above zero temperatures on Sunday. Short-lived, but still a cold night ahead. Thanks, Grayson. BC was spared the worst of the extreme cold, but is dealing with other concerning conditions in what Avalanche Canada calls a dangerous snowpack level. Crews set off this controlled slide last month to ensure safe travel along the Trans-Canada Highway near the town of Stewart. At least five people have died in avalanches this year. For a third time in a year, Canada's dairy regulator is raising the price of milk products. You'll notice the increase on your grocery bill, but as CTV's Manitoba Bureau Chief Jill Mackishon reports, farmers say the hike doesn't come close to covering their costs. Another supermarket staple is going up in price, milk. Monday when we get our new order, it'll be up five cents a liter. And with that increase, expect to pay more for everything that comes from milk, yogurt and butter, cheese and ice cream. The Canadian Dairy Commission approved the new 2.2% increase effective this week. Prices going up to help offset dairy farm expenses like fuel and feed. We've seen substantial increases in purchase feed costs, our grains, our hays we bring on farms because the cost of producing in agriculture everywhere has increased so much. But if you're a keen price watcher, you've also noticed milk go up twice in 2022. This is now the third hike, a total 13.1%. We noticed that the price did go up a lot. To say Canadians are crying over spilt milk is pretty accurate. I got 30,000 litres of milk and it breaks my heart. After this video was posted on social media this week, an Ontario farmer dumping surplus milk, he's not allowed to keep it or sell it. And they capped us. So I can't grow my business at all. Critics argue strict supply management restricts farmers from exporting more. The Canadian Dairy Commission says it's working to expand trade markets. Uh, raising prices is not the perfect solution. And yet here we are again. Expect to pay a little more on your next grocery bill. Will it ever go down? Be amazing to see, but uh, right now you're going to see a jug of milk probably go over six bucks for sure. But if there is a silver lining, look to eggs. Rising in price around the world, in Canada, a carton is expected to drop by a few cents. Heather. Thanks, Jill. The Quebec-based pharma company credited for developing Canada's only homegrown COVID-19 vaccine is shutting down. Medicago's owner blames significant changes to the vaccine landscape and challenges in transitioning to commercial-scale production for the decision. In 2020, the federal government gave $173 million to support the company's plant-based Kobe Fens and approve the vaccine last year. A woman in British Columbia is facing over 70 criminal charges for allegedly scamming senior citizens. Police say she posed as a care worker and stole from vulnerable victims. CTV's BC Bureau Chief Melanie Nagy reports. 
Allowing someone into your home to care for you takes trust. And trust is something many seniors gave to Anna Shamdal. The 30-year-old claimed to be an in-house aide, but instead of caring for the elderly, she's accused of defrauding them. She was uh, posing as a care aide. Shamdal, who appeared in court today, is now facing 71 criminal charges. Some of those charges include fraud over 5,000, possession of forged documents, possession of stolen credit cards, just to name a few. While there are few details about Shamdell's work history, the RCMP's financial crime unit alleges that once inside a senior's house, she would steal wallets and important documents like bank statements. It's been very difficult. Laura Lee Herbert's uncle William, who is 79 and has dementia, was one of Shamdell's alleged victims. He's had a lot of trust issues with uh, nurses and carries um, since then. After William was visited by her last March, Herbert discovered his bank card missing and his checking account empty. She drained over $600, approximately $650, in three separate transactions. That might not sound like a lot, but Herbert says it was the only money her uncle had at the time for food and bills. Somebody that does that to seniors, just absolute scum of the earth. At least 20 seniors were allegedly robbed, some of them losing thousands of dollars. Heather? Melanie, thank you. A group of armed robbery suspects in Ontario couldn't evade police who are now sharing dramatic footage of the arrests. Chopper video shows the suspects coming out of a stolen car near a bank where police say they were carrying out an armed robbery. As police move in, the suspects tried to flee but were taken down. Two men in their 20s and two boys in their teens were arrested and face a combined 46 charges. Time for a two-minute break, but when we come back... It's so unfair. Reunited with a stolen car used in a shopping mall smash-and-grab. Plus... Luck of the draw for a first-time lottery player. Praise is rolling in for a Toronto Transit driver credited with saving four people from a vehicle stuck on a railway line. The bus driver opened the car doors and unbuckled their seatbelts moments before a train slammed into the vehicle. The operator was quick thinking, he knows that route, he knows that the GO train comes through there, um, got the people out of the car, encouraged them to come out of the car, uh, put them on his bus, they were safely on the bus, and then the car got hit by the train. The driver said he got stuck on the tracks trying to make a U-turn after becoming disoriented in the dark, snowy conditions. Plans are underway to honour the transit worker for his bravery. The Quebec woman whose car was stolen and used to break into a shopping mall north of Toronto this week is getting a look at the devastating damage up close. Here's CTV's John Vanavalli Rao. Getting a look at her damaged car for the first time, this Quebec mom fought back tears. It's so unfair. The front end smashed, scrapes along the side, the passenger mirror busted. Taylor Anna Kobinger says she couldn't afford the optional insurance that would have paid to fix it all and still can't believe what happened to her 2011 Audi. I've put so much effort, money, time. I worked so hard to get it. It's finished paid for a year and a half now. This was Kobinger's car early Wednesday. Crooks using it to race towards a mall, pause briefly at the entrance and then crash right through it. You can see how they drove around inside in the middle of the night, making their way to an electronics store. Fortunately, no one was hurt with the mall pretty much empty. The thieves grabbed some loot. 
then left, smashing through an exit, shocking so many. It's very surprising. Um, I've never seen that before. Kobinger, who's from Laval, Quebec, had recently listed the car for sale on Facebook Marketplace. But a man she met to take a test drive took off with the vehicle, which was driven to Vaughan, north of Toronto, where that mall entrance remains boarded up. Kobinger has heard police have some ideas of who was behind it all and thinks they did ten dollars to $15,000 worth of damage to her car. To damage stuff that some other people worked so hard, if you want stuff like that, just go work for it. It's, it's really unfair. Kobinger had listed the car for around $12,000. She was counting on using the money to help buy a home. Now she's not even sure if the car is worth fixing. John Venavalli Rao, CTV News, Toronto. Still ahead, celebrating Black History Month in concert. Delivering an inspiring message of hope through song. A sixth Memphis police officer involved in the violent arrest of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols has now been fired. Preston Hemphill, the white officer seen using his taser on Nichols, was previously suspended. An investigation showed Hemphill violated multiple department policies, including the rules surrounding the use of a stun gun. Five former officers have been fired and face second-degree murder charges. During what is another dark time in U.S. history, a renowned gospel choir is shining a light with their message of hope. Here's CTV's Richard Madden with a front row seat as they kick off Black History Month in Washington. Howard University's storied gospel choir, founded during the turbulent civil rights movement of the 60s, plays a big role in this month-long celebration. Celebrating achievement and empowerment at this historic church beside the White House that's hosted every U.S. president since the 1800s and located on a street recently renamed Black Lives Matter Way. Through their songs and words, the choir delivered a message of hope and resilience even in the face of adversity. Hey, go, let nobody know it, no mess, no foolishness, no policing, no revisionist history. Despite every step forward, they say, there's a sense of going two steps back. It's 2023 and we're still um, finding areas that have yet to be integrated. Do you so maybe some progress, but there's still more work to do? Sure. You know, again, like we said, like everything's a continuum. Citing inequality, police violence, voter suppression laws, and lately a push in some states to limit African-American history books and lessons at schools. We are American history. We have to stop this attack on black history. Every year, a new generation of singers picks up the songbook, using music to spread the word. It's also important to know the value of history and then using that to change our future instead of just ignoring it completely. They hope their voices of change are being heard loud and clear. Richard Madden, CTV News, Washington. An 18-year-old university student from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, is Canada's newest multi-millionaire. Juliette L'Amour won the $48 million Lotto 649 jackpot in the January 7th draw. 
Lamour is the youngest Canadian to win a lottery of this size. It was her first ever ticket purchase and got it on the advice of her grandfather. Her co-worker checked the numbers for her. I was so in shock. Honestly, when it, when it came up, I didn't see the phone. I'm like, what is happening? And he's like, he showed me the phone. He's like, you just won this. I'm like, how many zeros is that? Let me count. It's, like, it's a lot of zeros. Yeah, it's a lot of zeros. And I Lamore, who is a member of the Garden River First Nation, remains focused on becoming a doctor. She plans to invest her winnings and travel. After the break, the trading cards for players who should never have been overlooked. Hockey cards have a history in Canada that goes back more than a century. But until now, some Indigenous heroes on the ice were left out of that tradition. On tonight's Indigenous Circle, CTV's Donna Sound looks at the new set of collectibles aiming to change the game. These are really cool. Every hockey father's dream is to read his son's name. Right there. Jordan Nolan. On the Stanley Cup. And Ted Nolan is no ordinary hockey dad. He was the first ever Ojibwe man to win Coach of the Year in the NHL. Now he's part of history again as part of Upper Deck's first people set of hockey cards. I'm just hoping through this uh, card collection that we could be a little bit of inspiration for the next generation coming up. The eight card deck features other NHLers like Jason Simon. Bill Kane, Johnny Harms, and more. For Nolan, this is a family affair. His sons Brandon and Jordan also made it to the NHL. To have a card with my two sons, where Jordan has his rookie card, Brandon has his rookie card, and now I got a rookie card, even though it's, it's 40 years later, but to have a rookie card with them is, uh, is very special. This was a community effort started by Name Cardinal on social media. I was having a conversation about my hockey card collection. It had come up that there were several players in my hockey card collection that played in the NHL that didn't have NHL license cards. Upper Deck was listening and reached out to Cardinal to right that wrong. Is it ever too late to actually get your own hockey card? I mean, really acknowledging and highlighting people within the community? Um, I don't think so. So that's why it's like better late than never. The company is giving the first run of the cards out for free, mostly at Indigenous hockey camps and tournaments. Trading cards, offering hope for young players to bring Lord Stanley home and celebrate with their families, just like the Nolans. Donna Sound, CTV News, Toronto. An inspiring hockey family. That is our newscast for this Friday. I'm Heather Butts. For Omar and all of us at CTV National News, thank you for watching. Morella Fernandez will be here tomorrow. Good night and have a great weekend.